You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and in our next episode, we're going to be going over the results of UFC on ESPN5 and also going into UFC 242, which is just a, bl- a little bit over a month away, as well as the UFC Fight Night 156, which takes place in Uruguay at the Antel Arena this Saturday night with a flyweight championship bout in the main event between the champion, the bullet, Valentina Shevchenko, and the challenger, Liz Gorilla. Carmouche. So without any further ado, let's get it started and step into the ring. Hey guys, how's everybody doing tonight? I know I'm usually doing two podcasts a week. I ended up only doing one last week just because of, you know, time constraints. And there wasn't too much going on that week aside from the UFC on ESPN5 in the world of professional wrestling and UFC, you know, or mixed martial arts, anything like that. But You know, obviously this past Saturday we had UFC on ESPN5, which had the main event between uh, Colby Chaos Covington and Ruthless Robbie Lawler. You know, this was a really interesting fight to see how Covington would be able to handle the power and just the ruthlessness of Robbie Lawler. And you know what? He shut it down. He shut it down completely. This was the best performance we've seen Colby Covington have in his entire career. He's been gone since UFC 225, which took place June 8th. 9th, I believe, June 8th or June 9th in uh, 2018. So he was gone for over a year, and we hadn't heard from him since they had that win over Rafael Dos Anjos to claim the interim welterweight championship of the world. And he really just put the pressure on Robbie Lawler right from the get-go. He came out, Robbie obviously trying to throw some looping punches and some power shots right at Covington, and Covington just went straight in, landed a lot of jabs, crosses, uh, right hooks because I believe he's a southpaw. Right hooks, left crosses, stuff like that. A lot of, a lot of just pity patty, pitter patter strikes to set up takedown attempts, and he just chained takedowns together. I believe he had a record 500 strikes thrown in the fight, as well as 20 takedown attempts. So this guy just puts a pressure on you that not many people can handle. I don't think I've ever seen him get tired or winded for one second in a fight. And he just constantly puts the pressure on you. And you could see it was frustrating Robbie Lawler. He was getting hit with just these pitter-patter shots from every direction. And he was trying to roll with the punches. But usually he'll roll and then counter off what you throw. That's what Robbie Lawler likes to do is roll with the punches and come over with a power shot. And he just wasn't able to pull the trigger because Covington would just jab, 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 cross, left hook, right uppercut, knee up the middle, shoot for a double leg. He didn't get the double leg transition to the single leg takedown. He didn't get the single leg transition up to the body lock. You know, it was just a lot of crazy, crazy shots, just constant pressure. Robbie Lawler did land a few good left hands and right hooks, and he did stuff some of Covington's takedowns, but the thing with Covington is you might be able to stuff one attempt, but he'll chain attempts together. He'll go from... A double leg takedown, you stuff it, it'll transition to a single leg with the head on the outside. If you if you stuff that, he'll lift your leg up in a single leg over your head to try to take you down. And then when he gets you on the ground, he'll transition to the body lock. And every time he got Robbie Lawler on the ground, he would instantly go to his back and try to lock in the rear naked choke. Robbie Lawler was too experienced for that, though. He was just relaxing. He kept his chin tucked, so Covington wasn't able to get over the throat and was able to get back up. But... Robbie was just waiting too much in this fight. You, I got the feeling he was probably going to wait till the fourth or fifth round to really turn up the pressure to try to get Covington tired, but he just couldn't get it going. And I think it was because Covington was always sticking shots in his face and body and everything at every chance he got. If, every time Robbie would roll, just 
Boom, 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 body kick. Boom, 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 leg kick, high kick. Boom, 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 shot to the body, shot to the head. It was just mixing it up and attacking at every different, on changing levels. And then you didn't know if a takedown was coming or strikes. If he missed a takedown attempt, he'd come up with uppercuts and hooks and crosses to to keep you off of him to, and then go back down for a takedown. He'll He shot a double leg from all the way across the cage and basically ran Robbie Lawler all the way across the cage and then transitioned it to a, and then Robbie kind of wizard and sprawled out. And then he just transitioned it to a double leg from the ground and locked up his legs, kind of like Habib Nurmagomedov does. And just a really impressive performance from Colby Chaos Covington. And most likely we're going to get Colby Covington versus Kamaru Usman at UFC 244 in Madison Square Garden in November. That's the fight to make. They both have similar styles. And although I would say Usman is more, technical and more polished on the feet I don't know how, how this fight would go at first I was saying Usman would probably beat him but man Covington's pressure and cardio is world-class I don't think anybody has better cardio than Colby Covington in that welterweight division and that's really the key I think his pressure pace and cardio just plays a plays a role in all his fights and I don't know who's winning who would win that fight but I'd be happy as hell to watch it um, another fight that took place on the card was Matt Schnell versus Jordan Espinoza. Um, Matt Danger Schnell in uh, the fell uh, the flyweight division, and this was a really good fight. I liked Matt Schnell back when he was on the Ultimate Fighter with the undefeated flyweights to find Demetrius Johnson a challenger. I thought he had good he had good fundamentals on the feet, and his gra- his grappling was great. And you saw that grappling in this fight against Jordan Espinoza. He landed some good shots on the feet and was using good footwork and head movement to kind of draw out shots from Jordan Espinoza. Espinoza shot for a double leg takedown and Schnell sprawled and then grabbed the front headlock and locked in an arm and guillotine. And he put his he put his guard over his arms, had that arm and guillotine, didn't get it. He had the I want to say he had the left hand on the head of Jordan Espinoza when he got that guillotine and he transitioned it. From the arm and guillotine, he he grabbed one of the he took one of his hands out and put the right hand on the head, on the back of the head, and transitioned it from an arm and guillotine to a triangle choke, and ended up getting a submission after he got the angle with the triangle and put the underhook under Espinoza's leg to really lock in that pressure. And first round submission for Matt Danger Schnell, really really solid performance, and to see him chain the arm and guillotine to the triangle choke like that was really impressive to watch. And I'm excited to see where Schnell goes from here, even though the flyweight division, you know, they say the flyweights are dead, but we've seen some really good flyweight fights over the last past few months. I mean, we had Matt Schnell and Jordan Espinoza. We had Davison Figueroa and Alejandro Pantoja just from last weekend. I mean, these flyweights are putting on shows and they're entertaining to watch. And it's just, it's tough. Maybe we do Davison Figueroa and Matt Schnell next at 125 pounds. I'd like to see that. And hopefully, Matt Schnell's here to stay, man. That jiu-jitsu is no joke. Louisiana native, obviously, we rooting for Dustin Poirier. He talked about Poirier in his post-fight interview. And yeah, I'm really excited to see where Matt Schnell goes after this win over Espinosa. Should get a top 10 opponent next, maybe in the top five. I would say probably top five just because the, the flyweight division isn't as stacked as other divisions. Um, other things on the card, I mean, you had Jim Miller get a first-round guillotine choke over Clay Guida. 
Guida hurt him with a right hand, hurt Miller with a right hand, kind of stumbled him. Guida tried to come in to finish him off. Uh, Jim Miller countered with a right hand of his own, stumbled him, grabs that Armin guillotine choke, jumped guard with it, and uh, choked Clay Guida unconscious within about 45 seconds of the first round. Really, really good win for Jim Miller. Obviously, you know, these guys aren't title contenders, but this was a fun fight to see how it would play out. And I don't know where Jim Miller goes from here, but it was a good win for him nonetheless. Any fight announcements over the past few week or week or so? Uh, Johnny Walker versus Corey Anderson was announced for UFC 244. Obviously, we've got this. We've got Blagoy Ivanov versus Derek the Black Beast Lewis announced for UFC 244. Maybe Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. I could see the return of Conor McGregor taking place here as well. It was just a really... This card's going to shape up. Obviously, Madison Square Garden's always a good card. UFC 230 was a little suspect. I mean, you had Jacare versus Chris Weidman. You had Israel Adesanya and Derek Brunson. And you had Daniel Cormier versus uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis. But I think this card, they're really going to stack it with top contender matchups. I see Cody Garbrandt coming back for this fight card at Madison Square Garden. Maybe Cody Nolov Garbrandt versus, I don't know, they'll probably give him a top 10 guy. Maybe John Dotson or Jimmy Rivera, somewhere around there. Maybe Piotr, Piotr Jan. I could see Piotr Jan and Cody Garbrandt being a fight that takes place at Madison Square Garden. But we'll obviously see what how that plays out when we get closer to November. Oh, what else? What else? Obviously, we have just a little over a month to go until UFC 242. Obviously, in Abu Dhabi, September 7th, the main event, Dustin the Diamond Poirier versus Habib the Eagle Nurmagomedov in the lightweight division for the un- to determine the undisputed, or undisputed lightweight champion of the world. Obviously, Poirier had that win over Max Holloway to claim the interim lightweight championship at UFC 236 and Khabib undefeated 27 and 0 coming off a win over Conor McGregor at UFC 229 on October 6th and this is going to be his first fight back in Abu Dhabi you know this is going to be a really pro Khabib crowd but if anybody can get it done and rise to the occasion it's the diamond Dustin Poirier and I'm rooting for him obviously I'll do predictions closer to the fight when we get closer to September 7th, maybe in about two weeks, I'll do some predictions because I'm really excited and interested to see how that fight plays out. If you're into learning a little bit about Dustin Poirier and how he fights and what style he likes to use, go back and listen to my Double Trouble Breakdown I just recently did. It was a two-part episode on Dustin the Diamond Poirier, Double Trouble Breakdown number three. I have two previous ones, first one being on Dominic the Dominator Cruz, second one, being on Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. So definitely go out of your way. The co-main event to that card is going to be Paul Felder and Edson Barbosa in a rematch. That's a really, really strong fight, and I'm sure they're going to stack 242 up with some really other some other solid contests for sure. Uh, what else do we got? Obviously, this is off the MMA topic for a second, but we have... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Lost my train of thought for a second. We've got NXT TakeOver Toronto and SummerSlam this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I had posted on my social media that I was going to be doing two podcasts in one day with two different guests. I have it. I had it all lined up. It's probably only going to be one with one of the guests. I might have to reschedule with, another, with one of the guests I was supposed to have on. But 
Either way, they'll both be on and look out for those episodes. It's going to be all professional wrestling because they're not really big in MMA. I'm hoping I can get some of my training partners and coaches on for a podcast closer to UFC 242. I think it'd be fun to break it that fight down with some other trained MMA fighters and people who are just trained in combat sports and have a mind for how fighting and movement and everything works. I think it'd be really fun to do. So I'm excited to talk about that when we get closer. Uh, what else? I'm excited for NXT TakeOver. I think it's a really strong card. Obviously, I'll talk about that on Wednesday. It should be on Wednesday when I have the NXT episode up and SummerSlam. So we'll definitely have that going for you guys. So stay tuned for that. Now let's talk about UFC Fight Night 156, which takes place in Uruguay at the Antel Arena this upcoming Saturday. And the main event is about between the flyweight champion for the flyweight championship of the world between the reigning defending women's flyweight champion Valentina the Bullet Shevchenko and Liz Girl Rilla Carmouche, the girl who competed in the first ever women's MMA fight in the UFC, fighting against Ronda Rousey. She had a close call with a where she jumped the uh, got the backpack position and almost submitted Ronda Rousey with a rear naked choke. But Ronda obviously ended up winning with that first round armbar submission. And I don't really know what Liz Carmouche has been up to in the past few months or close to a year. I kind of feel like she's flown under the radar, but she does have a win over the reigning flyweight champion, Valentina Shevchenko. But when it comes to how I see this fight playing out, I just think Valentina Shevchenko's on another level. I mean, you saw her fight against... Uh, who did she fight to win the flyweight championship? Oh, yeah, uh, she fought Joanna Janjacek, the former strawweight champion. I love Joanna. I think she's a great striker and a great MMA fighter. Rose Namajunas obviously exposed her a little bit on the feet and was able to pick her apart with just cleaner technical movement and striking, and it was a good it was a good performance. I love Rose Namajunas. I can't wait to see her come back. Hopefully, she comes back within the next year. I hope she doesn't call it quits and not return. I know she did an interview not too long ago that said she was interested in coming back, and I hope she does because to see her go out off that loss where she was basically dominating Jessica Andrade and just lighting her up with crisp, clean boxing, it's really a sad sight to see. Almost finishing her a few times in that first round and then just getting slammed on her neck and knocked unconscious. But this fight, I just think Valentino Shevchenko is is too clean and too crisp for Liz Carmouche. I think she's too clean and crisp for anybody in that women's flyweight division. And in bantamweight, to be honest, I don't think Amanda Nunes won that second fight against Valentina Shevchenko. I had Valentina winning three rounds to two. It was a close fight, and Amanda Nunes was able to use a lot of leg kicks to keep Valentina at a distance and keep her off of her game a little bit. But I scored that fight for Valentina Shevchenko to beat Amanda Nunes. And I think that's honestly where this fight ends up playing out is Valentina getting another shot at Amanda Nunes at 135 pounds and beating Amanda Nunes. And I think Valentina might be the best women's MMA fighter on the planet, women's mixed martial artist. I know you can't say that because Amanda Nunes beat her, beat Ronda Rousey, beat Chris Cyborg, beat Holly Holm. I mean, you can't say it. Amanda Nunes is obviously the women's GOAT, the greatest of all time. But Valentina's right up there. I, I go, honestly, my top three, I go 
Amanda Nunez, Valentina Shevchenko, Rose Namajunas. And I think Rose can definitely be the best female fighter in the world. When she's on, nobody can beat her. Her record doesn't speak for its her record doesn't show that, but her in-ring, her in-ring fighting and her movement and her technical striking and everything under Trevor Whitman is amazing. And she just knows the ins and outs of this game. But like I said, I just think Valentina's way too crisp and clean for Liz Carmouche. I think it's going to be a quick fight. I know Liz Carmouche has a victory over her back in the day, but Valentina has grown so much as a as a fighter over the years, and I think Valentina gets another head another finish. Most likely, I could see it being another head kick like she did to Jessica I at UFC 238, just catching her clean right on the jaw, right on the forehead and knocking her out. But I think it goes I think it goes to the second round and I think Valentina Shevchenko retains the flyweight championship via knockout. The co-main event of this card is amazing as well. You've got a welterweight a welterweight bout between Vincente Luque and Platinum Mike Perry. Really good fight in this division as well. Not top contenders to say the least, but the winner of this fight definitely moves up into top contender contention to get into that top 10, top 5 opponents. And Vincente Luque had a win over Brian Barberina, and then he fought... Somebody else, because Neil Magny pulled out. He was supposed to fight Neil Magny, and he ended up pulling out with an injury. So he fought somebody from the Dana White's Contender Series. The guy, I don't, I can't remember his name. His name escapes me right now. Forgive me. But that fight was good, and the guy who he fought looked good in the beginning. But then Vincente Luque was able to just pour on the pressure and get the TKO and knock him out. And Mike Perry has wins over guys like uh, Paul Felder and a few other guys, actually, let me look it up because I think Perry's on a little bit of a streak after he lost to Donald Cerrone via that disgusting arm bar. Oh, I think as Alex, uh, Paul Felder and then Alex Oliveira. Let me just check this out really quick so I can tell you. Yeah. So he beat Alex Oliveira at UFC fight night 150, and then he beat Paul Felder. So two good wins for him, and honestly, I think Vincente Luque is too crisp and clean of a boxer to get caught up in the game of Mike Perry. Obviously, Vincente Luque can brawl, but his tie boxing and just his traditional boxing is too clean for Mike Perry. I don't see Mike Perry as a clean striker. He's more of a brawler that likes to use his wrestling to overpower people, but I think Vincente Luque's too technical and too smart to get engaged into a brawl with Mike Perry. And I think he picks him apart with technical clean shots and ends up getting a finish maybe in the third round. I'm going to go third round TKO win for Vincente Luque, improving to 17 and six. There's nothing else on this card to speak of. I looked, I looked at it, you know, it's not the strongest of cards. These last few cards have had good main events and good co-main events, but when it comes to substance in the whole entire card, it really just hasn't been there. But obviously, the, the cards we don't think are going to be good and that don't have you know the star power and the names to drive home the people to watch it are usually some of the best cards we get because people just come in there to fight and put on a show. And obviously, next weekend, we've got UFC 241 with the main event bout between Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. And then... We've got the co-main event between the returning Nate Diaz and Showtime Anthony Pettis at 170 pounds, and then Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero 
on that card as well. So really, really strong card for UFC 241. I cannot wait to see it. And I will be doing predictions on that card later on in the week. Next week, most likely. I'm going to try for maybe Friday. On Friday this week, I'll do the predictions for UFC 241. I don't want to do them too close to the fight because not a lot of too many people will get to listen to it. So I want to do it a little bit further away so you have time to to listen to my picks and my analysis and what I think is going to work for certain fighters and everything like that. So look for that on Friday most likely. But we'll see how that ends up playing out. Uh, what else do we got? Anything? Obviously, I said Khabib and Dustin Poirier a little over a month away. Can't wait for that. But yeah, guys, I think I covered everything. I'm gonna. I say this at the end of every podcast, and it's really important that you guys listen. I need your guys' help. You have to post this on your social media, your Instagram, your Snapchat, your Facebook, your Twitter. Send it in text messages. Send it to everybody you can. Just because I need your help to get my name out there. I can do so much publicity and and hype myself up as much as I want to, but it's more to get my audience to speak for me. I don't have to speak and tell you how good I am. I want my audience to be able to tell you how good I am or tell me how good I am by how they keep tuning in over and over again and all like and everything like that. So I need you guys to post it on your Twitter. Anything post it on social media. Tell your coworkers, tell your friends, your boyfriends, your girlfriends, anything you can. I want to get some fighters on here for interviews. Obviously, it's going to be tough because I'm just starting out in this, but I'd love to get guys like Dustin Poirier, uh, get Rose Namajunas on here, get some coaches, maybe like Duke Rufus, get Anthony Pettis, get Trevor Whitman, Dwayne Ludwig. I'd love to get people for interviews, and um, it'd be really fun to do, and I hope we get to do it eventually. I'm going to try to get more guests on the more the more episodes I do, I'd love to have more guests. Most likely my close and personal friends, some of the guys from my gym where I train at, and just stuff like that. So yeah, guys, help me out. Do whatever you can. And that's really all I ask. This has been the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and I'm out. Have a good night, everybody. All right.